Welcome to episode number six of the Undoing Perfectionism podcast. I have with me today Jonathan Creed, aka Jono. Thanks for joining me today, John. How you going, mate? Good, yeah. to, good to be here. Yeah, man. Uh, so, as with each of my podcasts, I like to start just asking you how your creative life started. What was your first creative interest? Um, I would say drums, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's all, when you're sort of like reaching out and trying to branch into anything uh, that you can get your hands into, be hands into creatively. A lot of people go guitar, but it never sort of uh, suited me and drums just it had this all over experience that well I was looking to piss a bunch of people off as well so <laughs> and that's always a really good start yeah that's why I was denied being able to play drums as a as a, as a teenager yeah. too loud so was that as a teenager that you started no the drums or um, that was actually when it, um, I think yeah it was, it was the first year out of high school actually where I thought I was going to go one way and go straight into uni but then just everything just fell flat on its face as soon as high school ended oh. and um yeah and i just basically did a complete left turn and it all changed it was a uh, big day out 2005 i think um slipknot were slip, yeah slipknot were playing and that was i remember very clearly the day that i decided to be a drummer because i saw wow. joey, yeah joey jordison up there um just absolutely killing it on <laughs> with his big double kicks so i was like that upside is, down <laughs> he wasn't upside down for that one yeah um, but I remember walking away from that, not ever being able to forget it. Um, that well, um, that Joey Jordison, and then Chase. And once I heard that he was doing something upside down, I was like, "What?" It just it wasn't even conceivable yeah. to me. But and then to see it that how they actually did it, it was one of the best things um, that I'd ever seen. I thought that's the kind of you know you kind of want to be, emulate the things that you find that are cool and that make you feel, um, bring out something from within inside you that you know mm-hmm. it just makes you feel excited and alive to see it. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, so even before that, as like a, as a kid, you didn't uh, dabble in anything? No interest in music whatsoever other than to listen to it. Yeah. Um, basically because it was music class, I went to an all-boys school, so music class was very much like what the um, what the, the skids did, essentially. Well, not the skids, but um, the music mm-hmm. nerds. Okay. The, um, and not to say that I wasn't a nerd, because I absolutely was, but that's sort of what... <laughs> The deterrent was at the time so i focused on other things but mm. um you know like i listened to the old blink 182 albums like um yeah enema of the state and uh take off your pants and jacket and i've only just gotten back into them recently and it's made me realize that that pop punk era that i went through when i was in high school uh really sort of laid the groundwork and travis barker on the drums yeah. really just sort of planted that seed for um me to really start appreciating um uh sort of drums on that sort of different level where they can stand out but blend in at the same time that's so cool man yeah it's interesting that it it took you to see somebody live to really ignite that in you though well it just depends on where where you're at in your life I think like Mm -hmm. it's because um I didn't have I was goalless directionless um like I said out of high school no didn't know what I was going to be doing was supposed to be going to uni that was all scrapped and um you know the opening within my life for that something a radical change like that was presented to me mm-hmm. in a world that i had never been exposed to before yeah i think that's the best way to put it that's pretty cool so getting that big huge um like explosion of like inspiration from seeing joey jordison how did it then shape into like direction for you with the drums as soon as you picked up the sticks Pick up the drums, be like Joey Jordison. Yep. Figure out a way to play the drums. And even though, uh, yeah, I was just, I was in a standard three by three, basically, um, bedroom at Mm -hmm. my dad's place. And I had, yeah, probably enough space to move that was no bigger than this table Mm -hmm. because I had to get my bed, the chest of drawers, and also the drum kit in there as well. And somehow try to find time and also, I guess, to a degree, not care about other people as much where I could actually play the drums and practice. But yeah. it was um, it was actually one of the real big, one of the, excuse me, the uh, big instigators for me moving out of home as well. Mm-hmm. Because I just needed a place to be able to practice when I wanted. And, um, even though I never really took any formal lessons, but to mm-hmm. pick things up from the, the people that I would listen to. Avenged Sevenfold was a great one at that yeah. time as well. 
Um, I mean, that's pretty high level. Like, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, with Rev. Yeah, abso yeah, absolutely. Did you go from, like, playing nothing to just trying to play songs? It, it, but yeah, basically it was that. Like, I had some lessons and there was some de um, de uh, deliberate development, but it was really just me sort of, like, just hacking my way through it. The yeah. entire, uh, because it was just... That's just who I am. It's almost like mm -hmm. take like I've got an attitude of like if you get offered something that's you feel is too big for you, take the job and figure it out later. Mm -hmm. So like you know, two year like I think it was a year and a half, maybe two in, and I was trying out for metal bands in this case, Ashes of December, way back in the day, uh -huh. to play blast beats that I had no business in playing because it was just me trying to hit things as fast as I can and then try to. Um, uh, and then try to match up everything just to make sure they were lined up. It was I was doing things in completely the reverse just because I was like, I just want to do this and I just want to do it right now. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, how are you going to do it? Well, the great thing is when you're starting out as a metal band, you can get away with a lot of lack of skill to a degree so long as you're creative. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that's that's the big difference. But yeah, that's basically just been my attitude the entire way. It's like, I'll figure out what you want to do, start the process and... Just figure out how to work it out later on. That's so good. Yeah. So, how long have you been playing drums for now? Oh, geez, that's probably getting up to 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I'd say only in the last, like, year or two, yeah, year or two at the most, have I um, really started to put, like, a, a solid focus into putting, make, designing a sound that's, like, almost, un I wouldn't say uniquely mine, but is one that I'm sort of fostering yeah. from the like, and it's really good with uh, the band that I'm in all hours because it's bridging that sort of pop punk and uh, almost that heavy metal sort of gap where, especially with my drums as well, because they've allowed me to, it's allowed me the creative space to bring drums in that can oftentimes remind you of Dragon Force or the old Parkway days mm -hmm. into a pop punk setting where it's like they're people who are, who might be a bit, you know, they might think the genre is getting a little bit stale maybe then they can come over and see like these these are different drums or these are you know these are metal metal solos coming in into a pop punk setting that's awesome it's like yeah because you've got that blending of genres um coming together and that's something that's really interesting now that upgraded my equipment and um yeah now like i said i can actually start to design a sound that's specifically mine with a more focused direction and now now i can actually start practice instead of just working on uh it's almost like when you're learning a new instrument, instrument, you're learning about everything like you do in school. What they don't teach you is if you find what you're good at, focus on that. Don't worry about your weaknesses. So I'm good at metal. I'm good at metal drums, but now I just need to put more focused attention into becoming good at the the specific um, tenets that can almost make a metal drummer. Mm -hmm. So it can be applied in a better sense to, in a better way, in a different way, sorry, to um, the music that we play in all hours, if, if I'm making sense. Yeah. It's like, you know, the opportunity to, to create my own sound in a band that I'm really excited about and, is yeah. the thrill that I need to progress further with, you know, is with the drive that I need to get further in my drumming. That's so cool. And I don't think many people think about, like, creating your sound as part of, you know, learning the instrument journey, uh, unless they're at a high level, of course. Because I don't think I've been, I've had the luxury of reaching that point with yeah. with my guitar playing. So well, I think there needs to be a certain level of competency uh, yeah. reached when, like, when you're trying to find. When it, a lot of people will always be trying to find their sound. But I, the mistake that I made was thinking that I was sort of paving my own sound. When really I was just, it was just an amalgamation of the same kinds of sounds in the same kind of genres in this in the same genre like i was just going through all the metal calls like suicide mm -hmm. silence bring me the horizon um and you know all the death calls as well and just adapting those into the playing style back in the metal days mm -hmm. i got and but it, i wasn't putting any focused attention into it so no focus practice and it was just whatever was exciting you at the time exactly yeah that's exactly right and so i wasn't actually creating any anything different and that's when i started to put it a little bit more like hear things differently as i got older and then applied the principles of metal drumming to pop punk setting like i said mm -hmm. and yeah it just when i started to hear how everything was sort of changing and how i was sort of like hearing something new that i thought was really cool like now i've got a direction and, a, and it's almost like a purpose to put the extra time in 
as opposed to just like you should do things because it's good. There's like, no, get good at it because then you can play this song at this level that you want to be playing it at, mm -hmm. you know, six months from now. So put the effort in. You've got six months until this is probably getting released. That's so good. Yeah. I feel like I don't have that drive as much as you do, which is half the reason I started the podcast. But can you think about one of like your earliest like achievements, like something that, so for example, you, you set yourself that, big goal of like just want to be like this drummer mm. but can you think of like even just a particular small technique that you just smashed out and you you got that down and then you moved on to something else like um i would definitely well, there's a number of things like um i've started to refine the sound over the last year or so definitely but a song that i was about to show you before um that we're releasing probably in the next oh, very very shortly mm -hmm. um it's really heavily inspired by the um the anthem part two by uh in by blink one a two okay so there's a certain style of drumming within it, the anthem part two is a master class in drumming essentially okay. there's a reason why that song leads one of the greatest pop punk albums of all time it's because the drumming in that by travis barker is next level creative and i was like it was so cool that I'll, it's it's one of those ones that it requires repeated listening because while the some of the symbol hits and the notes or and, and one of the symbol hits and everything they may seem out of place but they fit together perfectly because that's the style he's going and i kept mm -hmm. listening to it over and i thought that was really cool that the a drummer can be so effective in a pop setting but mm -hmm. also make me want to listen to it again just to try and figure things out so i basically just tried to mirror that sort of style and make okay. it um, but also put my own little twist on it because he's been such a um, great influence on my drumming and that's sort of like I said, and I add a lot of elements of myself into it. There are a lot of elements of every of other drummers into it as well. But that's probably the most recent example where it's like my execution-wise, I've come as close to it as I've ever sort of aspired to before. There's other ones where like Dragon Force drums over pop punk, that requires a skill level that yeah. I'm not at yet. And so it's sort of like <laughs> that's where I'm definitely pushing forward with something, and like where I'm not I'm not necessarily ready for it, but I was like, no, nah, fuck it, just do it anyway and I'll get ready eventually. And I was just, you know, just yeah. it's that kind of haphazard thing where it's like, get good or just, or you have to get rid of one of your favorite songs to play. Okay, then. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you when you kind of got that, so did you incorporate that, um, that Blink-182 uh, song style stuff into a song at one point? And yeah. was that where you kind of went, yep, yeah, I've got that or you know, or I felt, I feel, yeah, you felt like you kind of accomplished that a goal of trying to, you know, like be like put that little flavor into the song. And it's one of many that I would say, um, uh, peppers the, the life of a, someone who's like putting, like try, being creative and actually sort of striving for something as well. Mm -hmm. Um, there's definitely a, a really solid feeling of satisfaction where you aspire and work to do something that you perceive to be difficult some people may say these things aren't difficult because of reasons like cool man my story is i found that to be difficult because i didn't know how to do it i thought it was interesting and thought it could be applied to a new song that's all art any art is really mm -hmm. it's just taking something that already exists and putting your little twist on it which is all i did to yep. one of the most influential drummers uh you know to ever walk the earth for a very good reason um and to put my spin on it and for better or for worse, and as we'll see when it comes out, succeeded as far as I can tell because it's like, no, it's it's not up to the standard of Travis Barker, but that's because only Travis Barker's up to the standard of him. <laughs> but this is like, and it's like, this is a really good homage from myself as I consider myself to be a huge fan. And I find it's being in a band like the one that I've got now is I'm finally um, getting to a point where... It's almost like I'm writing the songs that I've always wanted to write from my childhood, so, so essentially. Cool. And filmmaking is very much in the same boat as well. Where it's like, you know, your movie, uh, movies with your family were always like a momentous occasion. And uh, watching mm. movies with dad as well um, on the Sunday afternoon is like some, you know, you, those are the memories where it's like, it's just, it's just simple and you're being entertained by someone for a time um, in the space of, the busyness of life yeah so and yeah and the great and hopefully you know you'll always have the detractors when it comes to another travis barker one of me is like no man i just i like the stuff i want to mm -hmm. i like playing it um and it's it's fun mm -hmm. and i do things because i like it and i and i write these songs and if people say that i execute that i got the 
execution, right, with the songs and fantastic. And more to the point, though, my family and friends are now able to enjoy my music. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something about it that there's dri- that's driving that that's bringing them into the um, into the music a lot more, and that's the one most wonderful thing. That's so cool. Do you think it's just more than just the fact that you've stepped away from the screamy? Rah rah music. It's never <laughs> just one thing, yet, but yeah. But that, that is, I would say, that is definitely the main, <laughs> the main thing that people are just like the people who are like supported, you know, it's like me supported and didn't like the music. Um, they're just like, oh, it's so good. And it's like I know it isn't because that was that was what I set out to do. But I'll, but like I said, you want to keep your integrity. Um, you want to keep your integrity as a, as a musician or just or just as a human being. Really, like um, you might call it selling out. It's like, I like to think of it as being creatively challenged and engaged, mm-hmm. finding a way that even a hobby is going to see dark times on when it's just either going to fail or whether it's going to you're going to rise from the the difficulty and like you know come out with new stuff and you know bands like like all hobbies any hobby that's worth doing that's people who achieve success in a hobby will say they'll say well we just decided that we weren't going to give it up like there's there's more to it and if you can creatively invest yourself or just inv- find a way to in- yeah find a way to invest yourself mentally so that you can see through dark times because once you get through them you realize that there were nothing really to be that afraid of in the first place and now that hobby is blossoming into something that you can be really really proud of um, and you know not so much with uh, bands but with you know, playing in bands because music industry's you know flat in its face at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but with filmmaking, there's you know, the, there's a possibility for um, there's a possibility for making a living out of it. And if you can make a living out of a hobby, then you get to wake up every day with that knowledge of like, wow, I'm going to work that I want to do. Yeah. Like, it's not even work. And so I thought it's important. And just to sidetrack uh, on the on a little bit here, that's all good. I think I think it's important for people who are actively it's almost like a hobby can be easily turned into a dream if you have the right mindset about it. So 100%. that said, if you don't like, not everyone's the same. Not everyone wants to you know sort of get out of their daily. But some people are just happy, mm-hmm. and that's and they want to do the hobby because there's something that else that they're interested in, and they can and keeps them going forward. Fantastic. But your hobby should be always be what you're interested in because what you're interested in can then actually develop into a legitimate dream. Excuse me. And a dream can develop into a legitimate path forward. It develops over time, and you may. Th- and it's that whole thing, like where people say, you know, the road up is it's not straight; it's full of ups and downs, and you're going to go back, and um, it's going to be twists and turns the entire way. Mm-hmm. And you're going to discover things along the way about yourself and about things that you're interested in. That, so long as you're being truthful, will lead you down. I believe will lead you down the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So you're uh, on your way to transitioning to, to incorporate some of your filmmaking into mm. your work life. So I've had two guests on here now, uh, both Lewis and Jake are, are working their hobby essentially. Mm. Um, Lewis just transitioned just after we recorded the podcast. Oh, um, nice. So, yeah, so where whereabouts are you in that journey? Um, my aim is to do it this year. Uh, we'll see how... Uh, see how a bunch of projects go like I've got a script in the pipeline at the moment uh, it's a zombie western uh, set uh, called Outback of the Dead uh, <laughs> that's in you know in uh, in development at the moment I'm really and pushing that one that's the new big project that I'm pushing forward with is that a short film or a full length it's a full length mate is um, it your first film? it will be it will be my first that's amazing yeah that's just, um, oh man well that's the fun can't part can't imagine the amount of work that must go into it's actually kind of addictive like it is it is the work is it does seem to be insurmountable, but um, really the process to the process to get over any hump like that or any workload is always just one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. and just work the process through. It's not a journey; it's a process. Work the process, yeah. um, and it's always this, it's it's always simple. It's never easy. It's always really really hard, but it's always simple to uh, the process to work things through and people seem to forget that if you allow it to be yes exactly if you just break it down and say I've got to do all these things okay cool break them down what do you have to do what's the most urgent thing well it's all I've got to do all this no what break it down one by one then you can convert them into micro actions and uh, micro tasks as well and then uh, and then once that happens and you start just start to work it through do the arithmetic and work out a plan a process 
then things don't seem so insurmountable uh, and overwhelming at the time. Have you always planned like that? I saw all, no. the, I saw all the whiteboards in your, Definitely <laughs> in your room. I wouldn't say I've had anything really worth plant, putting that much planning in. I would say I'm definitely the type of person that always has wanted and liked to do that kind of uh, planning. Okay. But uh, never really had, but not had the thing that I would be willing to invest, like I was saying before, creatively um, and uh, intellectually and emotionally into where it's like, no, I want to throw everything I've got into this because okay. like I said before, that's what I do. I just, I find something worth doing and then just throw it and then go for it a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, you've always, so that nothing's ever changed in that you've, you were kind of just born with that drive and you've always just had that or? I like to think so. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, I was a competitive swimmer as well for way back in the day and I just, um, that it's almost like because you're drowning out a lot of the other voices essentially um, from the noise from everyone else on the outside world because you've just got the swirling of the water and mm -hmm. that's it. It's basically just like forward and the people that are that you're racing and that's it. And it's, got, and it's really, and it just spurred that competitive edge. Even the training was, um, I'd be competitive in the training because you the swimming, the people that you're in the same, training in the same lane with, you go for five seconds uh, behind you and the worst thing to your ego was to have them catch you. So yeah. they'd be tip, uh, like just wiggling, you know, sort of catching up and it's like tickling your feet sort mm -hmm. of thing. And it's like catch up or it's either let us go or go faster. And that was, it was almost like a biggest ego um, hit where you're like, <laughs> no, I can't, let no. And so you go and <laughs> it, it drives you faster and drives you harder. And it was always that sense of improvement. Just don't let them catch you. Get the person in front. And mm -hmm. there's, and you know, you're building up and it, it's always... So it, even being competitive in training, it's all about psychological mindset, really, um, when you want to try and go out to achieve something. Like I can imagine like uh, with Lewis, he has had to discipline himself over the years as well, and he's had to respect the hustle, um, and he's understood that uh, that's, he's clearly understood that it's a process mm -hmm. uh, that he's going on, sort of like training. And so that's how I view everything now uh, when it comes to, uh, it always, it always comes back to how does this affect my film career and uh, both in body, mind and perspective and everything and um, uh, and it always and how can I improve things going forward. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so you were you competitive swimmer before you picked up the drumsticks then? Um, dormant competitive after okay. I stopped after I stopped swimming. Uh, yeah, after I stopped swimming, uh, that sort of went away for a, for a while and then. You know, just yeah, I found something worth pursuing and haphazardly uh, into a metal band that refused to <laughs> a metal band that refused to scream uh, to do any clean vocals yes, at all yeah. because we because we we're like fuck that shit. We didn't <laughs> want to be a part of any of that. Um, like I said, haphazardly and completely naive to uh, the realities of, and we were gonna make it, but. It was great. Yeah, you toured overseas with that. With some Interstate. Of we almost got overseas. Yeah. Uh, simply just for, because of who we knew at the time, which yeah. was fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, it really puts. There really is a lot of value to the phrase. Uh, it's not who you know. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Mm -hmm. But it's like yeah. But also you do have to know a fair bit. And sometimes you know it's what, when you say it's not what you know. It's who you know. The who you know might just be because that who hasn't found you yet or you haven't found them mm -hmm. so whenever someone uh, there's there's always like a multitude of ways to interpret things and when someone cynically says it's not what you know it's who you know um, you can always tell when someone is essentially sort of relying on someone else to give them a handout whereas like no mate well if they don't know you go find them mm -hmm. you'd be and it's a lot of people like to say that they wouldn't want, like, someone of X stature wouldn't want to talk to someone like, uh, you know, someone like them. And it's like, well, you don't know that, mate. You might, they might be so sick of, oh, they might be so sick of dealing with assholes. They, they just like, fuck, I just want to take anyone who's honest and decent and hardworking. Mm -hmm. And most people are sick of dealing with assholes. Mm -hmm. And they just want to deal with people who are um, honest and hardworking. And it's, it might be an idealistic and noble way of thinking, but it's the way I want to go about things because it's the way that seems to work for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, having that training background from the, from the swimming, do you feel like that was what maybe gave you, besides maybe just being born with a strong drive, do you think that, that training that you went through as, as a swimmer 
what gave you that um, the lesson of knowing how to grind through and just 100%. overcome things into the into the drumming? Hundred percent, and mm. it's only through looking back um, as uh, thing as I move forward through my own life. Uh, to, that you realize just how important it was to find something that you enjoy doing in life and sports are like you know I'm not talking about doing doing sports because that's not so much an adult profession that you can do but it's it's very much uh, it's prep it's preparing you for life right. it is preparing you to embrace the grind it's preparing you to uh, for competition prepares you for the realities of life where everyone's trying to do the best that they can in a world that's uh, pre is is pretty difficult to get by in and if you can do it if you can win on the if you can win on the um, the noble battlefield essentially like if you can win honestly if you can win because you're the one that works the hardest and plays the game the hardest as well um, that's essentially what I believe like sports are about it's and that's why I think participation anything mm -hmm. is a travesty um, on that's in, as an apps it's it's win or, win or die trying it's not so much win or die I wouldn't say that it's <laughs> it's the people who will argue for participation trophy uh, awards and whatnot would say that it's that win or it's it's not it that it is that win or die trying but they don't understand the nuance they don't understand the process that it goes on there's a reason that goes on underneath in the psychological level they think it's about the power of winning when they don't when it may be perceived to be that but what it actually is in the what it's supposed to be anyway is laying the foundations for playing on an on the honorable battlefield in life on a level that kids can process and participate in Okay. So and that's and swimming being you know it just works with my personality. I like to be able to rely on no one but myself. If I don't win the race, it's because I did something wrong. Okay. There was an in there was, and if there's something that I can do wrong, then I can fix it immediately. Problem is though that doesn't translate so well when you get to the real world and uh, when you become an adult and you have to work with other people. There's no such thing as the lone ranger. There's no such thing as mm -hmm. you know. There's no such thing as a self-made man. Yeah. There's no because everyone's had help, everyone's had someone that they've needed to reach out to. Unless you've got some crypto whiz kid, who's, <laughs> who's just like some kid who can just read charts naturally without have even read any books, and he's doing and he's able to and they're able to just you know read the charts and just pick them right from like patterns and statistics. That's the only instance of a self-made person. But then they've had help getting the computer ready. Right. There's no, there's literally no such thing. So and it's you like I said you have to be able to play on the the honourable battlefield because you need sometimes your competitors or what you people that you may be perceived to be your competitors are the people that you're eventually going to have to play the game with mm -hmm. and the game is like the business world it's like the film the music world like you're gonna like even though bands and filmmakers and other creatives are all working towards the same goal and it's like they are supposed to be looking after themselves. What I think a lot of people need to look into now is finding ways of adding value to the uh, adding value to first of all the customer and the client, but also then with the people within the industry itself, so they can all collaborate and everyone benefits from the shared knowledge, um, boosting up the collect boosting up the collective consciousness of that medium at the time. If that makes sense. Yeah. So as in your skill, your skills, you say you, you you're very self motivated and mm. you, you grow your skills very well. So in say your band, and I assume you work with people with your film stuff as well. Mm -hmm. um, how do you do you have to find people that are on a particular of a particular mindset persuasion for you to be able to work with them effectively? Like, do you find it quite hard to gel with people, or do you actually um. find that you get along with people quite well, even though you're very uh, self-motivated depends on what kind of energy uh what kind of vibes you're putting out like there's the energy that you can carry forward as someone who's very motivated but you can be a complete prick if you want if you want to be perceived that way um like you know like it, it's that's a sort of like get out of my way and no one's going to stop me sort of thing like that's what i mean you've got to work with people as well um you've got to you've got to have that and people respond people that want to respond well to someone who's got the drive will respond well to someone who's got that drive um and those that aren't looking for that, generally speaking, won't respond that well. Mm -hmm. um, like attracts like, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Some it, it all depends on what people want out of um, 
it, it all depends on what people want out of their experiences and where their heads are at in regards to achieving those experiences. Just because someone says that they want to be a, a world-class filmmaker or tour the, the country or whatever um, doesn't necessarily mean that that it's anything more than just what they've something that they've just said. If they're not putting, if their mindset isn't actually working towards that, and they're only sort of loosely going there, mm -hmm. then it doesn't then it doesn't work. Yeah, it definitely doesn't work out too well. Um, the flip the the flip side is that you have to you have to be able to. It's a very fine window of opportunity where you can meet someone who is in the right circumstances and the right mindset mm -hmm. um, where you can enter into this creative uh, or business or whatever partnership relationship because essentially it's going to be an endeavor yeah. that you're going to encounter difficulties and that uh, on and you want to be able to know that when you're stepping into the breach that Ascent, it makes it sound so doom and gloom. But, yeah. you know, but when when you when you're when you're facing adversities and when you're facing trials, that are going to happen on anything. Like yes. you know, just booking shows lays hard enough. Mm -hmm. um, like any short film, any movie that gets made is a miracle because every single person and a good one too. Every mm -hmm. single person has to be doing has to not only be in sync at that point in time, has to be th that is needed needs to be there, but they also have to be on point. Yeah. At the exact time for the entire process, mm. and so the same is uh, different. It's no different throughout any of the creative disciplines where collaboration is involved. You're gonna have to work with different bands. Um, you know, you ha well, you have to work with different bands, and it's great too because you can they can share their perspectives and some of their knowledge. And when you add value to them, it's not it shouldn't be always that we should work together where there's it's a miss a misbalanced and unbalanced uh, value system where you're getting more clearly getting more than they are than uh, they're getting as well but it also can't work it has to work the other way around you have to be getting something out of it and it's all about finding what you're happy with and what you're happy to compromise me I don't like I don't mind at all doing the work so long as I can get to the result mm -hmm. and it's like the, this train's going that way and anyone who wants to get on is welcome to come on I'm going to find a way and the great part is every, um, after that things can sort of almost like work themselves out and you need someone to get back to your early point you, you've always got to have that person driving the train forward someone who's like, and that's not necessarily the best thing to be that person but you've got to have that person who's got it's almost like they're the ones with the, um, they're the ones conduct, uh, driving the train and you've got the heart and soul the engine essentially mm -hmm. Gen in bands they're usually that one or, those one or two people who pretty much write all the songs yeah. and that's, that's getting off another topic but you sort of get the idea everyone's got a role to play in a particular project a band, a film uh, set uh, some people their, their spot in the band is purely to add, this, add the, the frosting all the, all the good stuff, all the spices for some people you know it's yeah for some, and for some people book everything some people write all the songs it's a it's a myriad of things and there's always going to um yeah and like i said and it's not always the case or that you want to be the person that's got the bigger vision as yeah. well so yeah so to get a little bit granular on that in that kind of area just to use that blink 182 example again mm. so you would have gone to your band and you've worked on getting that style down mm. and you've said i want to incorporate this into a song um were, were were like your bandmates along with you on that journey when they when they were when you they, they did they know that you were working on that style and they were going to try and write something around that or did you just kind of write a song that, off it and then bring it to them that particular um generally speaking with my drumming they <clears throat> within reason basically just let me do whatever i want to do really uh -huh. um because i i, I believe that i've earned their trust when it comes to wanting to show off a little bit and try something new and when to just sit back and let other people have you know like have not have their moment but the song it's not appropriate for me to sort of uh be anything more than what i've decided um so yeah it's all about finding that balance in the end with um this particular style there wasn't really any arg uh, there wasn't too much of an argument it just happened like they're great in that it's a lot of the time they just want it to work for that song. If it doesn't feel right, um, that it's always a great collaboration where everyone can speak their mind and 
there's um, you know some of the the Dragon Force song that I was talking about where I just went ham on the drums. Mm -hmm. um, there were there were objections to some um, the ex the amount of double kicks that I put into it, mm -hmm. um, and also cymbal choices as well. I wasn't wanting to. Um, budge on the double kicks because I was actually like I said I was trying to find trying to do something different but it was on me to make them um, palatable to, not palatable but also enjoyable um, without being too pretentious I guess yeah but there was you know even just um, even just changing a symbol to a higher pitch one can elevate a song's mood and tone yeah dramatically and it was only through the objection of um, that was raised at the time it was like you know they didn't like some, they didn't like this part of the, this part of the verse and I just uh, tried it out on the other um, by, just by switching symbols even just like a little uh, subtle touch just we found the compromise yeah. and having a good open discussion and communication and dialogue with the people involved it's, it's you know it's not a dictatorship it's not one you know you've got your ideas but I love creative Darwinism and that's creative Darwinism in like it's a, a form that is productive and works for us. Yeah, that's so good. That's something that, yeah, I've, I've been in fair few bands over the years, mm -hmm. and yeah, there's. It's always interesting to hear. You know, I've I've had a few different experiences with different bands. Yeah. So to hear how you know you've worked on a particular style and you've brought it to the band, and then you, like that you've worked so well together to actually mm -hmm. come out with something and and been able to work it out is is awesome. That's a different, uh, a, another angle of the creativity in bands yeah. that a lot of people. You know, miss out on. I'll tell you what. Here's here's how I knew they're going to be different from the start. I have basically, I, unless there's been a really big something going on, I have actually I get help with my drums every single gig. In in what way? What do you mean? They help me. They help me with the, um, get the drums in and out of the venue. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like loading in and out. Yeah. yeah, loading in and out. Like I have never in my life experienced like, and this is so, every single guitarist and every other drummer. They're just like you. What is like? I am so lucky to have a band. Even even those who aren't that particularly strong. Like, I'm so lucky to have a band. And it's like they're always in coming to help, and it's like you guys are just the best. You have no idea. And yeah. they're just like, well, this is you know, just it's the politeness aspect of it. But mm. I'm like, uh, it, cool. I'm yeah. not going to argue with it. It's awesome. So yeah, you work on the creative stuff. You work on the labor as well. That's cool. Oh, it's just it's a shared experience, and that's what the um, and everyone's constant communication about not constant but consistent communication about where where everyone wants to go and where where they are, and mm. so. Yeah. So good. So when did filmmaking come into your life then? Six and a half years ago. Um, okay. Just by accident, really. Yeah. And that's the best part. Yeah. Um, was it another inspiration like of the Joey Jordison by chance? Um, no, it was actually a talk. It, was, it came from a talk with a friend of mine um, who I met at a... We were just working in a warehouse together. Uh -huh. And um, he was a, he was an emerging... or well, just a local actor. And he needed some uh, he needed some work for his portfolio. I was just the weird dude who just liked talking about movies because at that point, I'd stopped giving a fuck about what people thought. Um, you know, if I wanted to sort of be a bit eccentric, you know, as long as I wasn't hurting anybody, I didn't give a shit. Okay. And so I was just sort of myself, and he really appreciated that. That because uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of bullshit. I figured there's a, there's enough bullshit in the world without me adding to it. Mm -hmm. So um, and so he appreciated, I guess, the the authenticity. I I think is the best way to describe it. And uh, he was it was very much the same with him. Like we just got stuck in the movies. It turns out we we're just both massive movie fans, and he got into acting by recommendation of someone who's now a mutual friend of ours and um, then we got started talking about it and more and more and I started go, um, talking about things in depth because I'd never talked to someone this in depth about movies before because mm -hmm. I was just a fan who was starting to appreciate the editing, the cinematography, the sound and you know I was picking cinemas that I would want to go to and cinemas that was like I'm not going there. <laughs> Dendies or nothing? It, it, no it was <laughs> actually no because um, I wanted because uh, for Marvel movies I only ever went to the South Bank cinemas IMAX mm. I would and I have uh, on Jono's super awesome I think it was like super awesome annual movie binge um, it was always during, like during July, the, the summer period, the summer holiday period, uh -huh. when all the blockbusters were coming out in America, uh, the summer blockbusters in America. Yep. And so there were times when I was going to the movies like three times a week, just because like I don't care if I'm not going, if there's no one coming, I just want to go see this movie. And it, it all started from there when I started to get much more invested in seeing a lot of good movies. This was the year that Edge of Tomorrow came out, Malef Maleficent came out, where you know 
movies that aren't perfect, but I was like, man, the value of these movies is amazing. They're just in play. Maleficent, I thought, was an amazing retelling. But anyway, um, and so his sort of behind-the-scenes knowledge of that, um, Chris's, that is, um, and my just obs almost obsessive now because I was starting to relive things from my childhood and like the and uh, watching movies with my dad. He just he said that he had a project that he wanted to do and um, or he wanted some more work and if I had any ideas and I was just working on just stories with no intention of like when I say have no intention of making them like there was no plan other than just try to write them on a piece of paper or like a Microsoft Word document. Um, just was it just getting plot or was it like just anything it, just, just even dialogue even just or? getting the idea down cool. was um was almost seemingly impossible but then he then he just we started talk, talking about stories and ideas and everything and then he said do you want to just i got some money i need a portfolio um piece done like do you want to write something for me i went all right i'll give it a shot and i had this idea that i've been working when i say working on i had an idea that i'd written down and that was it. Yeah. It wasn't even like I'm going to be a filmmaker. It's like I just I for some reason I want to get this idea down. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, like I gave him the script in a word document, not proper uh, print for, uh, script format or anything. Yeah. And he said he liked it because um, for whatever reason, like it was something challenging because uh, and it felt it was it was it was interesting and to. What happened from there is like when we started looking for, when he was starting to look for a director, like I had any contacts whatsoever, um, I just kept saying, well, make sure the director does in this part, make sure this happens, in this part, make sure this happens, well, because that affects this part over here. <laughs> and he's like, dude, do you want to just direct it yourself? And I went, yes. <laughs> do you know how to do it? No. No. But I'm not turning this down. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it really was that make or that moment where I just blindly accepted what I was being offered and it was, you know, there's only there's pivotal moments in your life where, like, if I said, if I went the other way, life would not be anywhere near this good. So cool. Yeah. So did it become a short film? It became a short film called Composure that um, Chris and I worked together. Um, Chris Bridgewater, for anyone who wants to um, have it, give him a check out. With man, it, we've we've made multiple uh, thing, uh, short films and music videos over the years as well. So it's just it, it's that collaborative process where. All you have to do really is just like work with your friends mm -hmm. and find like and just find something that you love and then go at that with everything that you've got mm. because you'll know it when you've got it and the answer that I have to uh, to people out there who have been there I had a decade where I call my lost years and those were and those were partly where the band was uh, features I call my lost years because I was just searching mm -hmm. and I was blindly lo looking at things and then just by accident in a warehouse. I met a guy who's one of my best friends now mm -hmm. and decided to invest a couple thousand dollars into a, a guy with no filmmaking experience, no prior writing experience, just ideas and, I don't know, like, just never say die, yeah. never give up. And it's like, that's the, that's the thing that you, I always say to people, like, if, you're, if, you, if you haven't found what you're passionate about yet, keep looking mm. and don't settle because and there'll be times like with drumming for me it's not what I'm truly passionate about but like filmmaking is but it was an important building step on the way because that was my first creative output yeah and so what I'll say to people is, is you know if you're saying something like, it's all well and good for me I don't know for you but I don't if, if you're someone saying that it's all well and good for you know for me Jono but uh, this person you know they don't know what they're doing. It's like, just keep looking and just keep trying. Mm. And just because something gets hard doesn't mean that's the time to quit. If something gets hard and you, and you can see a goal forward, then it's definitely, it's time to go harder. Yeah. It's time to put the, it's time to put the foot down. Um, if something gets hard and you don't think, and the, when do you know, it's important to know when to quit as well, because if you don't want to see through the hard times, then yeah, if you really don't want to see the hard times, if you can't think it's worth it, reevaluate things. Maybe like, but the important thing is to never give up. Perseverance is the number one thing that separates any successful person in whatever discipline. It doesn't matter. No matter what you're doing, if you want to have a, like I said, part-time hobby and you just want to do well at that, the person that doesn't give up is the one that's going to do the better at it. If you want to be a filmmaker, a photographer, podcast host, 
The most important thing to always remember is the people that are successful are not necessarily smarter. They just didn't give up. Mm. Whenever the hard times come, they never give up. Mm. So were you playing... Did you have a period... Have you always played in bands? Or was there like a... There was a gap. Was a bit of a gap? Was that when you started with the filmmaking? Um, By chance? Or I think they sort of both happened at the same time. Uh, Once the... Once it became clear that I didn't want to be in a heavy metal band anymore, there was about two or three years where I was just sort of floating around, just just Focus. working and existence. Uh, yeah, yeah, just working and trying to figure out what my next move was and focusing more on the film stuff. Or? No, uh, I didn't even know film. Uh, that was that was like a lull period where I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't playing in any bands. I wasn't really. Pers- I was given trying to give uni a shot. That's what I was doing. Uh-huh. I was trying to give uni another shot. Oh, um, I better become a lawyer. <laughs> uh, what was it project manager which actually was oh, what, that's not too bad <laughs> yeah well it would have been something that I would have been uh, interested in but I would never have been passionate about it because and I figured out the the way it correlates a little bit where it's leadership and you're building something while like you're being productive and you're, you're yeah. being the one that keeps track of the team but I'm not passionate about it even though I would absolutely enjoy doing it so but, did the filmmaking make you stop that course 100 percent. oh okay it was yeah. and I, it, the best way to describe it is when you're learning something when you're studying is you're trying to flood your brain with knowledge it's like con- it's inflow when you're being creative it's outflow yeah. so you know and you're it's so it's more in like with studying it's more inflow so, to get that outflow with uh, being creative it's more it's little inflow to get that outflow mm-hmm. completely different and it's it really is like trying to run two competing streams against each other against each other so it had to be one or the other really yeah so when you first started the uh, filmmaking i want to find the other spot where the um the whiteboard part came in yeah so when you made that first short film what would what did planning that look like um oh planning is a strong word on that one okay um it was it really was most of the it was it, it was, it was, um, that was it. The script and the casting for the main roles were the process. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was the planning for it. On the day itself, like I rocked up and I hadn't really even met many, like many, if at, no, I hadn't met any of the crew at all. Yeah. First time directing, I was like hoping that they didn't uh, sniff it, but damn it, they did. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. they did. It was like, uh, and you could see, it was almost like looking back, I could, it's, you think on their face, like, another one of these you want me to put the mic where oh man like i had to pull chris aside before like outside and say mate what what's what are the what do you say before a take like what's it what is is like like it's like lights camera action i'm imagining that like yeah you're right so it's it's this and like cool cool and then just had that little watershed moment where i was like wow i really don't have a fucking clue what i'm doing right now (laughs) and i'm gonna do it anyway because like as soon as i walk on the set and we started and all the uh, the people started moving the makeups and the the lighting and the sound they were all starting to uh, look for their things and their bits to do and the questions were starting to come it was like it was like a computer switchboard lights just turned on it was like it's just my it was it was my brain just switched on and it felt like you're flying it was as close to flying really as i can feel most of the time so was it basically you you just had the script there you kind of knew what you were going to do and then you just booked everyone in and just did it yeah except i I, I let other people book everyone in that's the important thing it's important to make that distinction because i cannot emphasize how little i knew i knew no one i knew one person and i needed who led me to another one who led me to another one who led me to the crew um, to the, the bunch of people that were the crew, many of which I still work with. Um, and it just started with that. It just, and it started with an idea. And I just, that two words that I love to um, tell everything about a person that you need to know from a first impression. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. I just had the, uh, the idea because you go into that whole, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Why? Why not? Yep. Fuck it. And the flip side of that is when someone says, fuck it. And they, they, they give up, I can't do this. And it's like, can oh, you do the, the tone of voice. Exactly. Yeah. The tone is the tone will tell you everything. And when I got on there and everyone's asking me questions and I realized that that was exactly what I wanted to do, I was like, whatever I can do, like, here I am. That's, an 80, that's a, I think, a $20,000 camera right there. And this guy's got like a $10,000 sound thing. This is happening. That's happening. That This is all happening now. And it's just from a fucking an, an imagination. It just happened from an imagination. And now here we are. And you have those moments where you get to the end of a road of some sort, of the end of a big project. And you, so long as you're 
consistently having long-term projects, as long as the long-term ones are trying to build you up to a higher level, when you get to the top of that one, you realize that just by completing it, that in and of itself was you leveling up. Mm -hmm. So go for a bigger one after that because yeah, the, the sky's the limit really when you, when, when you realize it's a process and not a journey. Yeah, that's sick. So when did the whiteboards come in and why? Just recently. Um, uh, the corkboards, whiteboards, uh, yeah, just because uh, I've got scripts that I'm doing, writing at the moment, I think, I'm not sure if I've mentioned, might have forgotten, uh, Outback of the Dead. It's the feature film, zombie feature film that I'm writing at the moment. And this is part of the, uh, the evolving process of, uh, of the more I find out about writing itself and directing itself and the processes behind that, it's not just pure intuition. There's skills that you can learn. There's knowledge that you can pick up from people who are more experienced and better than you as well. And like getting the whiteboards, that's that helps me break down the story. Um, same with the corkboards. Um, and plus also when you've got multiple projects going at the same time, you want to be able to reference things as easily as you possibly can mm -hmm. because you don't want you'll be in like a mental space when you're writing for instance mm -hmm. and so you need to be able to um, you don't want to take yourself out of that um, when you're sort of in the zone when yeah. you're in flow mm -hmm. uh, and that's when everything's just working and like you just you're blinking all of a sudden like five pages have just been written and you're like that was amazing just and it's like have the discipline then to stay in that space don't get yourself distracted and part of that is by getting the, the whiteboard so you can just look at something like look at the next step and then get straight back into it and just move forward. Mm. So you were talking before the podcast about deadlines being important mm. to you. Were they always something important to you? No, you learn that. Uh -huh. I learned that from people and uh, collaboration, like Luke McLean. He's one of my uh, longtime collaborators. He's the one that I've done the uh, the camera guy, that, uh, DOP editor extraordinaire that I've done the most work with. Um, and he told me that the best thing that you can do to motivate him is to get give him a deadline that's hard and it's almost like give the deadline a, a backbone essentially what that does it sends you psychologically and when you've got a lot of projects you can put things off easily uh, but with a deadline it's yeah. like all stops all stops are out and so find a way if you can and find a way to give yourself a deadline and the second point and the second thing that you really need to do is find a reason for that to be a hard deadline like if you miss this then all these things are going to be fucked up. Okay. All, all the, all this whole process is going to be delayed and that person's going to lose, you know, it's going to be harder to, um, you know, deal with, it's, it's going to be harder to talk to that person in the future who's very important. So, okay. you know, it's like, nail it, nail it, get it, get it done. What do you have to do? Figure it out. Mm, that's so good. Mm. So I can't imagine working on something like a full length film because all my projects at the moment are like, Lots of little small things. So like, mm. yeah, like you were saying, it is very easy to put them off. And that's what happened for me last year. Yeah. I had some goals, which is for the first time I had some goals, but mm. I did undershoot most of them. Um, so I've reshaped it to try and make it work this year. But my deadlines are like kind of loose. So mm. can you give an example of, yeah, um, how, yeah how you can make those deadlines um, seem more, more achievable? First of all, like, um, I'll go back to what I was sort of talking about before where have it so that if you fail, it's almost like a catastrophe will happen. Not a catastrophe, but mm -hmm. things, will be, things will be hard enough that, they will, that the implication or the possibility of those events unfolding if you fail are motivation enough for you to you know, burn the midnight oil get up at four o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. I get up at four o'clock in the morning every day because there are things that I want to do mm -hmm. and it's like if you don't complete it by this date that you have firmly set out then you can't A um, work to that deadline B you can't develop a plan mm -hmm. in order to meet that deadline and C you're not psychologically invested in it because something it's like cramming for an assignment there's value in the ideas of um, in the notion of cramming for an assignment because the newsflash for people is out there is there is no being prepared, generally speaking, mm -hmm. um, on just about any big project. You're always going to be rushed at the last minute. And guess what? It always gets done mm. because you've got that deadline. 
because you've got that deterrent, because you've got almost like that, it's always think of it as a punishment because like, you know, some people say, don't be so hard on yourself. Fine, Th figure out whatever works for you. Um, and then figure out a process for which as well that, and that enables you to complete things. So, and part of that process will be figuring out um, what works for you. So to get into the zone, like some people are night people, like a lot of people like to stay up late because it's silent. Cool. I like to get up in the morning only for that exact reason. I like to get a jump start in the day. And um, once the night, once night comes, my head essentially just goes into survival mode yeah. until like seven or eight o'clock when I finish working. Um, but the biggest thing is when, when you have a deadline and you psychologically commit yourself to that, what you then need to do is uh, force yourself to figure out a plan and, and outline that plan that gets you to that deadline. And start small, like you start, and then you start small with small projects, mm -hmm. because it's like anything, you don't, um, you won't be able to take on a big project because you'll inevitably fail. Get so, and num one of the biggest motivators that I found, um, so I've told, like, so I told you what the idealistic, um, the ideal sort of way to complete things is, the part, the one that people uh, might not be so uh, quick to say is. Think about all the things that um, it's like basically what hell would look like um, in terms of being a creative because the number one thing that deters me from uh, getting slack is the uh, is the very true is fact that creatives have a nasty habit of not finish things they leave things unfinished because they get excited about a new idea it's yeah. almost like completion anxiety that's why I'm here yeah and mate, you're going about it the right way. And the great thing is, like in this search for truth that you're going on uh, and talking to people, because that's what I. As soon as you interviewed um, uh, Lewis, I was like, no, you, you realize when someone's trying to, they're trying to look for the truth, and that's sort of where you're at now. And the great thing is, man, you're going about it exactly the right way. And in the search for your for truth, as I've gone, as I'm just further along the road, you will encounter success that you didn't think would happen if you push forward. And you'll also have ideas and opportunities that branch out from there that you didn't know would happen. The important thing is, like I said, is to persevere with it. And just because something hasn't happened this year or next year, um, continue working it through, continue improving yourself. That's another great way to keep, um, uh, to keep yourself motivated to complete things. See every project as a way to improve yourself, to make yourself better than you were yesterday. You don't have to compete with anyone. Just compete with who you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. And make sure if you're just the smallest iota better, and if you weren't, reevaluate your approach and have a think about it. Maybe you just had a bad day. It's okay. And um, what I'll, the, a great way, like I said, the number one Achilles heel for creatives is completion. It almost, like I said, it almost seems like completion anxiety mm -hmm. because for whatever reason. And I see it so often, and when you get into that thing, Get into the, that's when you start to need to get into the mindset of just pull the fucking trigger, pull the trigger, and it's like, but it's but you know, and you'll always have new things that you learn that can improve it. Perfection is paralysis, mate. Mm -hmm. Never get stuck into that thing. Like, do do the best job you can, mm -hmm. and work your ass off. But you'll come to a point diminishing returns, and the work that the amount of work that goes in, it's not worth it. Perfection is paralysis, and pull the fucking trigger. Yeah, I call it shiny object syndrome. Oh, uh, that's a that's a great one. Because that's exactly like I've got a there's a new thing, there's a new thing. I start it, I start it, yeah. And then I've I've not been getting stuff out. As from last year, I'm starting to get some stuff done. Yeah. How do you stop yourself from? Obviously, you you you're very driven. Mm -hmm. You must have and you must have lots of ideas as well. When you've got all these ideas and you're excited about all the ideas, how do you keep the focus on you know? the first idea that you get in the morning as opposed to one that you get later in the day. Remembering that I can be one of those creatives that doesn't get stuff done. Mm -hmm. Seeing, yeah. like, and I, I'm, you meet them, you see the looks on their faces and I don't want to be in the position where I'm envious of someone for finishing things and make yourself, the, make yourself accountable, I think is the number one thing that you can do now that I'm getting to it. Mm -hmm. Make yourself accountable because no one else is going to at a certain point. So... That starts with telling the truth no matter what mm -hmm. because and that'll sort your life out because the first person that you have to be honest with is yourself 
And if you want to, and so there's numerous, so if you're feeling bogged down, like there's a lot of information, like number one thing, perseverance and discipline. Those are the, those are just like the, get those right first because discipline will equal freedom. Yeah. Um, in the long run, you're always going to have those, you're always going to have work. It's always, you're always going to have to work hard and suffer through something. So make sure, so, you know, you've got something I can imagine that's, you're starting to get onto something that's worth suffering for, worth working hard for. So that in and of itself should be the biggest indicator that you might be onto something. Mm -hmm. And so push that as hard as you can. And you do that by refining yourself, your communication skills. Um, that's something I have to, I'm focusing on now as a director. Uh, and as a writer, I'm watching video and tutorial after tutorial. I'm going to acting classes because I want to know how to talk to my actor. Uh, t talk to my actors. Um, I'm also going to. Um, uh, I'm learning how to um, communicate better with Toastmasters as well. Just learning how to say, be able to say what I mean and mean exactly what I say. So there's no gray area. And I'm still. It's a long way to go, obviously, because I can tend to ramble. But the point. But the point is that it's a continual process mm. of improvement. So deliberate and intentional self improvement at a discipline that gives you joy and passion. And hey, man, if you're giving joy to passion to a whole bunch of other people, if you're inspiring, even one person, if one, I guarantee you, man, the, the, the time when one person, the first person that messaged you and says that you're an inspiration to their life, even if you just like got like, like I said, a few dozen subscribers, if something you say inspires um, someone to get up and start attacking the daily with, you know, and approach it like a gift that it is, mm. Um, man, I tell you what, it, it, they didn't have to do that. No. And you can generally, t generally tell when someone's bullshitting on you and they don't need to. Yeah. And so not, you've gotten to them in such a profound way that they've felt compelled to tell you, essentially, keep going. Mm. You're on the right track. And these moments happen intermittently throughout life when you're pursuing what you're meant to be pursuing, um, and also in the manner in which too. And it's not a constant, everything's going right. It'll just be moments where everything just fit miraculously. And it's almost like the universe came together at that perfect moment, just to remind you that you're on the right track, buddy. Keep going and keep always working on yourself and self-improvement. Wicked. Thanks, mm -hmm. man. So you've got a bunch of projects happening at the moment. You've got your yep. band, you've got the, the filmmaking coming out, can you just uh, let us know what what, uh, what you've got coming out yeah. at the moment and then where we can find everything? Yeah, great, man. Um, well, it's actually probably going to be in my biggest year yet. So uh, very soon I've got a 90-minute uh, recording by uh, local bands uh, back from before the COVID area. So that was the big project, my first feature-length uh, release. And funny story behind that, Chris told me that uh, I wouldn't be able to get a feature done within five years of starting, um, uh, five years of starting out filmmaking once we'd finished that short film way back when. And I said, I'll see you and I'll raise you then, mate. And <laughs> I was two months off. Because yep. I said, I just wanted to be in, I said, I just need to be in production by the time that five year mark hit. Yep. And it was a stupidly ambitious goal from nothing. And yeah, like I said, missed it by two months. Very proud to say that. That's awesome. Um, like I said, see, you see the goal and fuck, go for it as hard as you can. Um, that's coming out. That, What's uh, that called? Uh, oh, that with Lagerstein. Um, yeah, the band Lagerstein live at the Trifford. And uh, they'll be getting streamed uh, January 30th. Uh, I've also got a number of music videos, like I think creatively and artistically as well. That's probably some of my the best I've done ever, mm -hmm. like period. Um, just because it's you hit that uh, creative path as well. I've got the... Um, Are they all on your YouTube or Vimeo or something? Uh, they'll be getting released this year as well. Um, Crackjack Pictures is my... Um, uh, is the company that is the, my business name, but uh, mm -hmm. a lot of the uh, you can find them on my Vimeo and also my website uh, crackerjackpictures.com um, as well, where you'll find all the stuff under the Crackerjack logo um, and directions to my Devil May Care trilogy, which was a short film trilogy that I uh, completed about two years ago. Did fairly well on this uh, festival circuit and had an absolute blast doing it and you'll also find links to a bunch of uh, the uh, my older music uh, my older music videos um, that show the development process as well so I'm really excited with this year and like I said that features uh, script with um, the Outback of the Dead 
that uh, like I said, zombie western in the. And you're outfit. working that on this year, working on that one. That's this year? my that's yeah. my big project that I'm working on at the moment, and yeah, it's just a throwback to all the all the great action movies from the '90s that I used to watch with my dad as well. So cool. Mm. And your band as a as some music coming out as well. All hours. Yeah, we're releasing our new EP um, from. Uh, we start the we start the promotion cycle from the first of February actually, and um, yeah, we release. We've got five songs to release over the course of about sorry seven songs to release over the course of this year so far. Mm-hmm. Where our aim is to produce a a video every month for the rest of the year and see how that goes. Um, five track EP is the start of it with a video attached to each one. Awesome. Thanks so much for the chat, John. Delighted yeah, a lot. Thank you very much. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Undoing Perfectionism podcast. Uh, The website is now live, undoingperfectionism.com. I'd love to hear some feedback if you just head over to the contact page and send me an email directly. I would very much appreciate it. And I'll catch you in the next episode.